The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay. What are we drinking today? If you can believe it, you can believe it, we're actually having a new cocktail called oh, yeah? Commodore 64. So I'm listening to the 1968 Billboard's Top 100 Songs <laughs> while I make this. And interesting enough, when I tasted it, I went back and read the notes on it because I had an opinion of it when I first tasted it. Uh-huh. And I was right. It's a pre-dinner drink. It's an aperitif. So... It's got stuff in it. So basically, <laughs> in a shaker, you put uh, one and a third ounces of bourbon. So I use the Forrester bourbon. Two-thirds of an ounce of white cream de cocoa. Two-thirds of an ounce of fresh lemon juice. Two-thirds of an ounce of fresh orange juice. Half an ounce of grenadine. A dash of Angostura bitters. Shake it in ice. Strain it over fresh ice and serve it with an orange slice. The color of it and the ingredients you're using make me think this is something you would have in Florida. I know. And yeah. so originally when I saw the ingredients, I thought it would be a Caribbean type cocktail. Yeah. But you'll know it's an aperitif because when you taste it, it'll be like when you have Campari and gin. It's oh, similar. It's beautiful though. Yeah. Exactly. See how that cleans your palate? It has a little bitterness in it. Yeah. Just a little bit right there. But it's got a lot of sour because of the lemon juice and the orange juice. So yeah. You get that sour note. You get the bitter note. Which oranges, you, sweet note. you know, Campari or Aperol, mm-hmm. those tend to be aperitifs that we mix into cocktails pre-dinner. Actually, I think this is a great it's a good drink. aperitif. I mean, it's v- different it's and it's deceiving. It's lots of things. It's deceiving. Yeah. But actually pretty good. I enjoy it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Good one. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. They weren't actually allowed to like come, but you know, for an extra hundred bucks, I, I can let them. <laughs> it's so amazing. It was 
so amazing to be like, no, like you're not going to come. And they're like, boom. All right. Well, that lovely voice is Dominique Jez, who's back for another episode of Edge Play. Yes. Today we're talking orgasms, orgasm denial, deprivation, like anything Sensory in the realm. Deprivation. Anything in the realm of you can't really enjoy this, I think. Is what right. That is. Well, I'm in control. <laughs> well, I'm in control, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Jez, welcome back to the conversation. Hello. Okay. This is pod number 700 for you, right? This is actually pod number 700. So yeah, that's that's me. what we wanted to make an announcement about that. We didn't though. We did it. You did. <laughs> but you didn't. Thank you. Did. Oh, yay. Yeah. So, so this is actually kind of a big deal because we don't want to make significance out of particular numbers. Like why didn't we make a big deal out of number 673, right? Right. But 700 is a nice round number and yeah. it's like a milestone. It's like you're on the other side of almost to a thousand episodes. I know. Right? Isn't that wild? crazy it's crazy and to us it's just a monday podcast it's just a monday right (laughs) (laughs) but it's kind of nice to have like somebody on the pod who knows us and actually yes we had a real treat we got to meet we got to go to dinner and and hang out in the city it's so great it's so great to have met you in person yeah you guys are both just so amazing i recommend Anyone who wants to hang out with two of the coolest freaking people who are not afraid to talk about sex in a public setting. I'm sorry, but like I keep laughing about the guy next to us. As soon as, I don't know, Saffir said something about mouth orgasm, that guy side-eyed us so, (laughs) so quickly. I was like, oh my God. So I'm sitting there and I tell him, I go, God, the two tables beside us were just like, (laughs) crazy so first of all the woman next to your partner was glaring she was actually she was actually she she was glaring yeah and she only started glaring after guy she's with whoever that was was looking over was looking over and couldn't stop because you're sitting right by him talking about sex he was he was like (laughs) almost leaning into our table he wanted to hear so bad so then she got tires in my soup yeah (laughs) and then the people on our side where we were sitting They were both like, it must have been a first date or some early date because they're side-eyeing themselves to one another to say, does he see me looking over here at this table? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I was uh, just kind of dying right there. I'm like, you know, this is not a normal dinner conversation. And I admit that, but like, and it was kind of funny. They were, were staring at us, but I just thought it was so refreshing that, you know, I'm able to be so free, you know, in my circles now and to have two like new friends, you know, who are so unabashed like you both are I was it was just such a treat for us and like <laughs> that's great. and you're both amazing and such oh. good energy and so much fun so I I hope we get to do it again that's yes true. for sure awesome so the reason that we have you on today is to talk about all this you know orgasm stuff so tell us what your thoughts are on the topic in large okay so orgasms who doesn't love orgasms I love orgasms. I'm sure you guys love orgasms. And I think probably your listeners love orgasms too. So one or two of the things that I wanted to bring up was about orgasm denial and ruined orgasms. So I just kind of want to make sure that your listeners understand that it's okay to do any of the things in kink or sex and not have orgasms. 
It really, honestly, it's for me now, it's not like the thing that I am striving for, right? When I have sex or, or sexual contact or kink, like I'm looking for an experience. I'm not looking just to get off. I'm not looking to calm. Like that's the treat, of course, at the end, but it doesn't always have to happen. And I know this is crazy, but believe it or not, I actually don't even really have to have sex at all in a kink scene. I do enjoy that, but it's not always something that I have to do. I want to jump in right there because I want to say that, you know, as a dom, I had that experience in the delivery of my dominance over the course of a several hour scene. I just don't climax. And it's not like I have a concern about that. It's that I'm in a headspace where climax isn't the point. So I resonate with what you're saying there. Separately, I think... And I've said this to Lady Petra the other day. I said, you know, if we have sex for like an hour, we have great sex for an hour. And then I have like an orgasm that maybe lasts a minute. So if I don't have an orgasm, that implies that I had great sex for an hour. And if I do have an orgasm, that implies that I had great sex for an hour plus an orgasm. They're just different things. Yeah, that's such a good point because I think certainly for me, as I've gotten older, I don't come as easily as I used to. Like, oh my gosh, in my like 20s and 30s, I could literally come like a machine gun. It was crazy. And it just is not happening as much anymore like that because my body's changed. You know, that was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, well, maybe a little longer, but anyway, um, it was a long time ago and I'm in menopause now. And so as we age, as women age, or at least in my experience, just, you know, the whole impulse to have orgasms is not as strong, I guess. I don't know if Lady Petra has experienced this, but I can certainly tell you that in my pool of friends who are my age, we're all talking about it. We're all saying the same thing. And it's not that I can't, I do. And they are very powerful and very strong. It's just not as easy for me. So I need to get in a really good headspace to be able to relax enough to have orgasms. And if it doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen. And I don't want my partners to, you know, be disappointed in me. So I usually will just preamble everything with like, Hey, listen, you know, like if you're looking for me to come, you know, these are the things you're going to have to do. And if it doesn't happen or you don't feel like doing that's okay. It's okay. Like I'm perfectly fine with just not coming or having an orgasm, but having a really good time because I'm looking for the experience. So I just wanted to put that out there. I think you're right on because we've been trained, at least in heterosexual world, let's say, that, okay, the culmination is the orgasm. For the guy, it's pretty obvious. It's well-determined. It can be documented. For the woman, there's a, is she being honest with you, that kind of thing, or not? And which really seems weird to say because I don't even know why someone would not want to be honest about whether they had an orgasm or not because it's not a failure. It's more of, you better do do it better next time. (laughs) So... Anyway, but you have orgasms. You don't have yeah, trouble. With so that. I don't have trouble with the orgasms, but I don't know if it's because I'm catching up for wasted time in oh, my I'm marriage. Just really good. Well, no, yes, you're very good, but and we're very aligned, and that's yeah. all hot, and we live it yes. every moment and every day. Right. So it's we're never out of context. But as speaking to her however, point, though, yeah. because I know women and I know all the physiology behind it. You know, people are aging. There's obviously hormone shifts. Sure. Women tend to have less estrogen over time and therefore, what is it, androgenine or uh, the derivative of testosterone, the women, female derivative, something like yeah. that. That becomes 
more intense, which gives you all the other characteristics towards male, basically. And so then that includes they get vaginal dryness and things like that. Because for men, as we age, we have lower testosterone levels. And so men suffer. But that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say is women start becoming more, I don't know what the word is right now, but more inclined to be on a testosterone bent and men start to become more on an estrogen band. And I think, but then you start having more submissive men, but also I think it has to do with women are, will live longer than men maybe, and they're caretaking the male. I don't know. What do you think? That is exactly right. That's why women live longer. So men die sooner than women in terms of age, but they also, if they suffer things like heart attacks or strokes or whatever, they actually live longer than women who have heart attacks and strokes. And the reason why is the women, okay, this is if they're married or whatever, are taking care of the men until they die. But then women who have heart attacks and strokes, who's around for them? No one. So they actually die at an average of like five years sooner with these severe health problems. So the hormone thing definitely has something to do with all of that. However, we are getting off track here. I'm talking about orgasms, not strokes and heart attacks. (laughs) Okay. So Lady Petra is absolutely correct. And Safra, you are as well. And so these hormone shifts just cause things to maybe not work as well. And so for women, it's the you know vaginal dryness and maybe not having as much of um, an impulse to have sex or fuck. And, you know, actually for me, it's also, I don't know, taken away some of my lack of, I wouldn't say sluttiness because I'm still a major slut for a select few, but like, I don't feel like I have to fuck everything in sight now. And I really, really, really appreciate that about myself. So I was like that in my twenties and thirties and maybe like that in my forties a little bit. But as I started aging, I don't know. I just felt like I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to like, you know, hump a tree every two seconds. So I started being pretty choosy about my partners and, you know, thank God I've had some like amazing partners who understood that I was going through like some changes. And I started having menopausal symptoms and problems with orgasm and just like vaginal dryness and all those things, you know, I think when I was like about 40, 47. And unfortunately, my poor ex-partner had to deal with, you know, things were great for six months. And all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell? Like everything's kind of dried up and sex is starting to hurt and my clit is hurting and what the hell? So anyway, I went to a doctor, a GYN who's amazing, sex positive. Just all she does is deal with women in menopause. And she put me on bioidentical hormones and everything got better from there. So it was just like a very brief moment in time where I was like, what is happening to me? I could come so easily and now I can't. And then I got all fixed up. So (laughs) if you're wondering if bioidenticals are right for you, please go see your doctor. Anyway, so I sound like a drug commercial. Okay. So about the orgasms. All right. So two things I want to cover is orgasm denial and ruined orgasms. And why is this edge play, might you ask? Because I think anyone who's been sitting on the edge of an orgasm for like two hours, I think (laughs) the dangerous part is probably what they're going to do to the top when they get out of their restraints. (laughs) Because for me, two hours of being edged on an orgasm, I'm like pretty murderous at that point. (laughs) 
So I'd like to kind of hear your thoughts, Lady Petra and Saffer, about what you consider orgasm edging or kind of what you guys do. Okay, well, let's see. So I've given Lady Petra a task where she's had to, well, let's just say when she's home, she has to spread her legs for a clitoral orgasm every 30 minutes or every hour. Or she's had to edge with her fingers or with a vibrator every 30 minutes all day long before we play. So by the time she gets to when we see, she's sort of climbing the walls. So she's had like hours and hours of intermittent edging. That's so, probably so, the most And that's fair. a weird thing because like this ties into like how humiliation doesn't do anything to me. Yeah. It's not, I'm not interested in it. Right. But also if it's, but if it's done, I don't really have a reaction to it right. either. So I always think it's a waste of time, a waste right. of energy. And so I'm always like, no, don't do humiliation because I just don't, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Right. So that's an excellent example of edging. Oh my gosh, Saffer, you are a cruel, cruel sadist, I must say. When I'm actually edging, I learned this a while ago and it's, it's really comes from my athletic career. I can compartmentalize sensations into different boxes and then keep them contained. So for example, in my sexual spectrum, I'm playing with that right now in the sense of being able to edge and edge without anxiousness or pain or stim, you know what I mean? Like I can separate myself from that. Now, doesn't mean I'm not having a physiological reaction like I'm it could be squirting or I could be super wet or something like that while I'm engaged in that separation. But the reality is I've learned to do that. Yeah. And so I can edge a, a long time. Long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She actually really can. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm sort of like one of those people I can edge for maybe like, mm, maybe like 20 minutes, <laughs> like 20 minutes. And then I'm sort of climbing the walls. So that's pretty amazing. Wow. You guys have obviously built up to that. So I just want to kind of go over what edging is now that you've explained what you do. And I explained that basically I can only last 20 minutes. So basically edging or like orgasm control is like building, sort of building the orgasm and maintaining that just that state of arousal, but not getting it to the point of no return where you are about to spill over. I kind of feel like it's cut like a roller coaster ride, right? You're going up, 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 up. And you know that point where it just slows down before you get to the top and then it just lets loose. That's orgasm edging and orgasm control. And it's really difficult for men really, really difficult for men to do. That takes a lot of training, a lot of self-control, a lot of compartmentalizing. I mean, I'm not a man, so I can't obviously know how that feels, Saffir, I'm sure. I'm what's called a cisgendered male, and I have orgasms, which is to say, I get erections <laughs> Is this and I an AA meeting or yes. something? <laughs> Hi, my name is Saffir, and, I'm and I have erections <laughs> and orgasms. <laughs> yeah, and... We do a form of edging when I know we're going to play later in the day, the next day even. I might have her bring me close to the edge of orgasm at night and then we'll leave it. And then on in the morning, we'll do it again, get really close. Oh, come on. Just use what we did tonight. So it's clitification night. It is. And so basically I have a bell and I ring the bell and he comes running to eat my pussy basically. Yeah, that's not edging. That's not edging. <laughs> I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, you're, you're just coming. Um, 
Yeah, so we do that. We actually, we do that. And actually it does make the orgasm more intense when it occurs. Does it for you as a, you mean? Yeah, okay. yeah. Not by the time we get around to it. Yeah. So it occurs to me that it's difficult for a man in this regard. Like there's a point where you can feel the orgasm beginning to build. And that's the point where you got to knock it off. Like as it starts to build, you can't let it go past a certain build point because <laughs> whatever that if, is, whatever that is, right? So you got to learn for yourself. Like if you think of it like a ten-point scale, like get to ten and you're done. So if you can get count up that build point, like one, two, three, and back off, that's how you can train yourself. That's why it does yeah. take training, though. Yeah. I think it's something people yeah. just don't but, know. But how I to recognize do. that that's the transition to train. It's that point where you just begin to feel the orgasm building. Mm. Like that's that point. Right. Oh, okay. So, so that's what you guys go through. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I, um, yeah. So when I was a pro dom, I did do this. We actually were not allowed to let men ejaculate, but you know, I'm just going to say that some people did. I generally did not want that. So, and it's just so messy to clean up, to be honest. And when I did have sex with men, God, I feel like this was like a million years ago now. Like it wasn't even me because I have had sex with men. I was kind of like appalled at how fast they came. I'm like, literally, wow, was, was that it? Like two minutes? Come on. So apparently that's an average, like two to five minutes. That's all they can handle. So I like this like edging situation for both vagina owners and bio penis owners. <laughs> so, you know, you definitely don't want to get past that point of no return because what you're really trying to do is just sort of like delay the release or delay the orgasm or delay that climax. And I think one of the best ways to do this is to practice by yourself. If you're looking to like train for a dominant to like, or a top to control your orgasms, the best thing you can do is do it by yourself. Know that you as an individual knows what it's going to take to get you to like, you know, a six, seven, eight, nine. Because if you're like at that nine right away, then you know you're like, you're going to need some some training, <laughs> a lot more training. Yeah. For men, it's really, it's that little last little bit, right? So you can shift around that transition point and you have to find out for yourself when it exactly occurs so that you don't go past it in order to edge successfully. Now, you know, there's an actual practical value to edging that goes into your capacity to have sex with a woman or a man, if that's how you're inclined. But it's that you can have extended periods of, say, vaginal penetration that produce another outcome, which is more energetic sex. Yeah. That's not available to you if you ejaculate. You have to be able to stay for not two or three minutes the way you describe, but maybe 15, 20 minutes. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You bring up such a good point. So, you know, when we're doing this, when we're edging and staying right on that place where you're not quite going to come, you can make everything just last longer. I mean, I don't get into that kind of headspace, that energetic sexual headspace in five minutes or even 10 minutes or generally 20 minutes. Like I need to have, you know, like a build and a build and a build and just to keep it right there. And I think, like I said, for men, I think it's just like a lot more difficult for them to get to that place where they don't go over the edge, like within five, 10 minutes, unless you're really training. Like Safra said, you said it best, you know, get yourself to a three and then don't go anywhere else after that. And then back off, you know, and the techniques in which you need to back off and not have it build, build, build quickly is up to you, right? That's why I think masturbation is just like a perfect way to get to know 
what is it going to take for me just to stay on that threshold? To have peak sexuality as a man, you have to have staying power. There's just no way around it. Now, it's also the case that you, Lady Petra, if I tell you not to come, would accept all the sex we have and not come. We've you, done you, that, maybe. We've, and we've done I that. I think we've done that. In the yeah. past, yeah. So you yeah. can you can literally be edging the whole scene. Yep. Yeah, so I think it goes both ways. I think ultimately it's a skill and you acquire a skill to do something like this over yeah. time. Well, and this edging is, is really tied. I mean, it, it get edging itself. Everyone can masturbate, so then there can be a possibility for edging. Right. But it ties right into a massacre. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. like, it just is my language. So when you talk about doing things like that, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not milk toast about it. Like, oh, yeah, like, okay, whatever. I am enthusiastic, but I also know I could do it. So that I'm just, you know, so in some of that play, there's a game to it. Yes. If you, you think to yourself someone's in their own head, they're playing a game with themselves. Can I get to 10 minutes or whatever they're trying to get to, right? I don't have that ability to give myself a game. So then what I do is I try to move the sensation of edging. Like how can I let go a little bit? And then what happens? So I'm playing inside the edging more. Yeah. And for me, I like to, you know, because I've had some trouble in the last several years, my point of edging is a little more, I don't know, it's just bigger, I guess. And I can get up to an eight and then I like to stay in an eight. If I can get to an eight and just be like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. And like, it's super energetic. I don't actually have to have that orgasm. It's so nice at the end, but it's just so nice to build up to that and then just keep it there. And sometimes I can't keep it there. You know, sometimes it will like go back down a little bit, maybe to a five, but you know, if I can get up to that eight, generally I can stay around in the five to eight range for a long period of time. And then like something's going to get me over over the edge. Generally it's a couple of licks. You know what I think too, as we age, because we're more in a headspace about all of it. I'm sorry, men are going to hate this because, you know, men have this, they can have staying power, of course, right? But they have this one ejaculatory moment, right? You're a one shot wonder. And then there's a reprieve, right? Right. And yet women can have overlapping and back to back and- Multidimensional. I don't even count. I can't count when we're having a scene. Poor males, we can have as many as we want. The reality is we're not worried if we don't have one that we're not going to have another one. Exactly, right. Like we know where to find it. And so what- as we age, I think all the things that we talked about, hormones yeah. changing, yeah. your sensation changes because your skin sure. tonality actually changes yep. as you age. I think women should pre-masturbate before playing, not as an insult to their partner, but actually get to the point of an orgasm. So the one is done. And now you can relax into being with the person without the pressure of having that orgasm. Because women, let's be honest, women, if we use a toy the right way, it's two minutes, maybe. (laughs) I have a toy that's like 30 seconds. (laughs) It's amazing. I can't even last more than a minute on this thing. So two minutes is actually a long time. I think I'd be climbing the walls. But yeah, I love that, like a pregame, you know? (laughs) Like take the edge off, so to speak. And then I do think that actually that does take off some pressure it does take the partner or partners of a person to understand that like if an orgasm doesn't happen, it's okay. And that 
kind of take someone who's evolved because I'm not trying to insult men. Okay. But I've just had some male partners that felt like if what they're doing is not going to result in an orgasm for the woman, like there's something wrong with the woman and like with me. And I'm like, that's not okay. Like, hello, fucking me just vaginally is not going to get me there. It's just not. So I'm very, very open with my partners before anything happens before I ever have sex with them. I'm very open with them about sex and talking about it and like, hey, let's talk about how you want to have sex. Let's talk about how you like to get pleasure or how I can source pleasure for you and how you can source pleasure for me. And these are the best ways that I'm going to be able to have orgasms or get maximal pleasure. So tell me the truth, tell me everything, and then I'm going to do the thing because I want to get it right the first time and I want them to get it right the first time too. And the reason I brought that up is the pregame kind of thing. There's a couple of reasons why it is a pregame, but I learned that after 30 years of just self-survival. I was in a loveless marriage, in an abusive marriage, and then in one that I wasn't orgasming in. So I had a lot of contempt for this person, but you know, before I got divorced that last 10 years was eternity. Cause you know, I'm, he's a fuck machine and he, he's fucking the shit out of me all the time. And I already decided I would leave the marriage at that point when my kids get old enough. And so I hated having sex with him, but what made it bearable for me was I knew after we were done, I could go use something privately and get off. So, because I think women are more important than that, than being second to the male, Women should do it first, not as an insult, but to make sure you are served, you are made whole from the get-go. Now you're not waiting and judging the guy whether he can make you orgasm. You're looking at potential. You're looking at what he can do. And this could be for female too, so it's for anyone. But you're looking at your partner in a whole new light without the pressure of orgasm being there. Yeah. And there is a lot of pressure and I've felt it myself. And, you know, if if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I mean, it just, for me, I have to be really honest, like with my partners and I'm just just like, it's not like, let's try something else or it's not you, or I'm not in the right headspace or a million different things, or, you know, I forgot to take my hormones or, you know, whatever. So anyway, I think that's so valuable to just for us as vagina owners, you know, to center our pleasure it's been too long and too much patriarchy. Sorry, Saffir, this is not including you. Okay. But just too much patriarchy saying, you know, I am the man, I have the dick and I will get my pleasure. And you're just a whole, like, unless you want to be treated that way. Of course, that's a completely different podcast. That's basically you're the vagina owner is the fuck hole and the guy is just sticking his in it. Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. The reality is, is for a large percentage of Americans and just people around the world generally, for a large percentage of those people, sex occurs the way that it occurs. And it's all about the man spreading his seed. We're trying to get into a more evolved experience today where we actually have the capacity to explore sexuality. And you can't explore sexuality if you can't control your orgasm. You just can't. Oh my gosh, that's so correct. So on that note, Let's talk about the ways to edge. (laughs) So Saffir and Petra had like a great idea about just like the every 30 minutes, like Petra getting to the point of going to that place where she's building, 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 and then she has to stop and does that all day. And like I said, I think I can last maybe, I guess I could squeeze out about 30 minutes of that. After that, I really am climbing the walls. So, you know, basically it's just get yourself to that point. 
six, seven, eight, wherever you need to do, and you back off of the stimuli. And just do it a couple of times. If you're doing this solo, just do that a couple of times. If you're doing it with a partner, tell them, you know, I need to communicate with you when I'm going to, you know, when I feel that orgasm building, and then I'm going to tell you just to stop or slow down or just like, you know, take away the sensation a little bit so that I can back off and then just give me, I don't know, 30 seconds a minute. I'll tell you when to start again. So you don't want to get all the way back down to zero. You want to go to like five, six, seven, and then you want to go back down to maybe like a two, three, four, five. And so you want to keep doing that. And then the theory is at the end, when you do have that orgasm, it's going to be super intense. It might be prolonged. There's going to be so much tension and sensitivity. So it'll be like a really powerful orgasm. And this doesn't work for everyone. Some people just cannot do this or orgasms are few and far between. So they don't want to like edge at all. And that's okay too. But this is for, you know, people who really want to try this. So learning to edge, I think it's, you know, first, if you're not used to touching yourself, then start doing that before you learn to edge basically and learn about your orgasms themselves. But when you're at a point where you really want to train, one of the things I learned that was very helpful was to create the most erotic distraction because what's happening is when you're really edging, you're really in front of a dominant who's telling you to edge. You might be under scrutiny. You could be in a bondage situation that they've got set up so that it's, you know, mouse and trap kind of situation. And so you, if you just masturbate with the idea that, well, look, I can stop it. Over time, you need to create stretches. That means maybe you have to watch porn or pictures of the person you care about or what have you to accentuate the stimuli. Because when you're with a dom and they say, da-da-da-da-da, it's a whole other experience than just saying, I'm going to just stop in the middle. Right. And like something that really turns me on is just if my partner tells me, okay, you're going to hold this Hitachi. So Hitachi is like by far my favorite sex toy ever. Uh, it's the Hitachi wireless and it has like four speeds and six different modes. And anyway, so partner says, you know, put this on your clit. I'm going to fuck you, whatever, you know, my hand or whatever, put this on your clit and you're going to get to that place where you're almost coming, but I'm not going to let you. And you need to tell me so that is just like a wild distraction for me. Cause I love to be told like, you can't come. I love that denial. That makes me so want to have an orgasm. So I'm like laying there and I'm getting just like fucked in such a delicious, slow way. And I have the Hitachi on me and I sort of cheat sometimes. I shouldn't even say this. Now my partners are going to be like, yeah, you're not cheating, but I'll put the Hitachi on the first level, which is not super, super strong. It's not quite enough to get me over the edge. So I'm sort of like, edging with this Hitachi on me. And if I get to the second level or the second speed, that's it. Like I'm going to go over the edge, but I put it on the first speed and I'm just like enjoying that kind of wave. And that can get me up to like a seven or an eight. And if they're telling me, okay, you've got to tell me, you have to tell me if you're going to come. And so I'm, you know, I'm laying back and it's building, it's building. I'm like, okay, okay. Like, I think I'm going to come and they just stop, take it off of you. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) So it's so hot to have my top, like, tell me that, like, like you're not allowed to come or you come when I tell you to come. That is hot. Yeah. You know, we have a a similar tool now for men called the slub, S-L-U-B-B. It's like a Hitachi for men. You can also, you can also 
get to a point where you just can't not come. You have to take it off. So check out slub-usa.com. Quick commercial plug there. <laughs> excellent, excellent commercial plug. Good job. <laughs> So yeah, this practice of orgasm control and denial is a fairly common kink. You know, it, it's a pretty big form of orgasm control. It's just that edging. And for a dominant person or a top to like just say to their bottom, you know, you're not allowed to come until I tell you, oh my gosh, that like that right there makes me want to come. <laughs> so that's a great, great way. If your listeners are thinking like, how can I incorporate this into a scene? If you're a top or dominant or someone who's going to control the scene, ask your partner, like, do you think this would turn you on? If I said, you know, you can't come until I tell you, try it. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. <laughs> Consent is everything in kink, right? So the reason this works is because you've had a conversation in the front mm -hmm. where you make agreements around how this is going to go. And then when you give up your power and you give the control of your orgasm to your partner, the relationship in that dynamic is where edging is so hot. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a treat. I mean, anyone who's had orgasms can say that for a fact, like that's like the prize you know, the prize you get at the end, if you're lucky enough to get one, if your dominant says, okay, I'll, you know, go ahead and come. But sometimes like people in chastity, they don't get to come. They don't get to touch themselves. People can wait weeks, months, you know, a year, two years in chastity. They don't get to touch their genitals. So they have to find another way to get pleasure. And some people really, really love that. They love to be told that they can't come for like a year. I, that would drive me absolutely crazy. But you know what? I think it's if someone can pull it off, if, a, if two people in a dynamic can pull that off, more power to them. <laughs> denial on that level, like that's a very significant agreement, right? To deny somebody for an extended period of time. Because there's, in the case of men, there's a normal physiological sperm production that occurs. And so... Those prolonged denials lead to things like leaking cages and spontaneous ejaculations. And so it's getting it out of the realm of a sexually oriented ejaculation, but it's just a component of that kind of extended denial. But there are definitely people who have done that and longer. Right. I think I remember one of my friends who was a pro-dom years ago, and she told me she had her slave in chastity for three years or something crazy like that. This poor guy, right? <laughs> well, he might have liked it. He might have been quite happy. We've talked to extended chastity wearers, like, mm -hmm. like caged cucks especially, but people who are completely satisfied in that denial. Like that's their sexuality is to be denied. Right. It is, I would say, on the more common spectrum to just have like, you know, maybe a week or two for, for men especially because it's their physiologic nature to want to ejaculate. I mean, that's just like, you're right. Like that sperm buildup, that ejaculate buildup, it has to come out, but I don't know, like three years, <laughs> three years is a long time. Then there's the whole prostate thing. So in any case, it does happen, you know, and they get pleasure from being denied. And so there is that sect and more power to them. And so on that note, I want to talk about ruined orgasms. Exactly. Yes. yes. Okay, so a ruined orgasm is basically where you're building up to that orgasm that you want, you want to explode and then something happens or the dominant will do something to basically have the person who's about ready to explode have like this 
you know, instead of an explosion, it's like a little, you know, I don't know how else to say, like a low, a low quality orgasm. A little dribble. A dribble, a dribble, exactly. So it's a little bit tough to do in women, you know, just simply because, or vagina owners, simply because, you know, it's hard to tell. Sometimes, you know, they don't have like a big spout versus a dribble. I mean, some do, of course, but for me, you know, it would really suck to have a ruined orgasm for me. So here's an example of what it would be like maybe for me. So let's say I'm, I don't know. Oh, here's something that happened actually quite recently. I was laying in my bed my partner and I were, we were having sex and I was like building up and building up this like intense amazing orgasm. She was going down on me. I was like, yes, this is happening. And then all of a sudden my cat jumps up on the bed and is like staring at me and looking at me like, mommy, why are you screaming like that? And it just pulled me out of my headspace. I'm like, God damn it. And so I did come like, but I was like right there. Like I was right there and it just wasn't as powerful as I would have hoped because my cat like got me out of my headspace. So it took me from like, I don't know, maybe like what would have been probably an 11 out of 10 to maybe like a five or six out of 10 because I got pulled out of that headspace. But for men, you know, you're edging them, right? You've got them on the edge. You've done this three, four times now where they went from like an eight to a two and then like a nine to a a three. And now they're up to like basically a 20, right? And then you do something if you're the dominant in the scene, you do something that you know is going to completely interrupt their flow. So I think an example maybe for men and Safra, you can absolutely please pitch in for men might be like they're penetrating a vagina and it feels so good. And there's such tightness. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, right at that edge, their partner like pushes them off and says, you know, take your dick in your hand and I don't know, point it at your shoe and and come all over your foot. Well, if you're looking down at your foot, that's not exactly the most attractive thing ever. And so you do ejaculate, but you're looking at your foot instead of like coming inside of someone, which is such a beautiful, sometimes often really beautiful ethereal experience. Yeah. So for men, the way this occurs in reality is if you're just about to come and then you take all the sensations away, the hands off, don't touch, don't anything, you might still have the beginning of that ejaculation occurring, but you don't actually ejaculate. You just kind of peter out. And the thing is, it's that it's the sense of being ruined, like not allowed to come. And then when you do come, it's a ruined orgasm that seems to be the place where the people who enjoy this try and catch that experience. Right. I feel like it would kind of be like blue balls. (laughs) Like a blue ball experience, I guess physically it would probably feel like blue balls where you're just like, yeah, you did come, but it wasn't satisfying at all. You know, you you like came at like a two out of 10 or a one out of 10. But like, I think psychologically, I think it can really fuck with someone. And so I think that's kind of like the key right there, right? And and this scenario typically will play out in like a female dominated scene or a female dominated, female led scene or relationship where, I mean, like I said, a, a male orgasm must be like, you know, mind blowing, right? To men and the female and the relationship is just like, no, you're not going to get to feel that extreme pleasure. You're only going to feel that pleasure if I want you to. 
So they do things to make the orgasm sort of like less climatic. So you definitely are throwing in some kind of uh, emotions like like you're disappointed or you're frustrated or you're like, God damn it. Like, I just wanted to have an explosion, but it was more like a dribble. Yeah. I think ultimately, though, it's one of two mindsets, right? So you're either the person as the submissive in that female-led relationship gets a positive experience from being denied or they get denied and it's more like a frustrating experience. So it just depends on the mindset. And I think that's where the relationship is important because if ruined orgasms is a part of your dynamic, that's something that can grow into a really interesting longer term denial experience with your partner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it can really be part of play, right? Because when, especially for men, when a man has an you know orgasm, then it's ruined. Like then, you know, as the, the female dominant, they can really like fuck with that person. They can really be like, I can't believe you, you couldn't have a big orgasm. What is this dribble on my shoe? So they can really like humiliate them. And if that's part of your kink where the male gets off on being humiliated and embarrassed, oh, you can go to a million different extremes with that. That's all great. And what I'd like you to do is tell our listeners what education classes you have coming up and where they can find them. All right. So I have a needle play class coming up for the Bakersfield community. They're wonderful. And the person who is organizing that, his name is Shock Doc, S-H-O-C-K-D-O-C on FetLife. And it is a vetted class, but if you contact Shock Doc, he can certainly find a way to vet you to get you in to see my class. And this is a Needle Play 101 class in Bakersfield. And then my other class coming up is May 20th at Dungeon East in Los Angeles. And that is my breath play class. It's a very popular class I've been asked to teach many, 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 many times. So you can find that website at Los Angeles BDSM events.com. Awesome. That's very cool, Jess. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Really do. Really. Oh, it's so much fun to be on your podcast. I love it. I can't wait for the next one. Us too. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.